find your own way All you gotta do is just Joshua Holloway, welcome to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. Oh, thank you. As, <laughs> as the composer of the theme song, as the orchestrator, as the underscorer, you've been a part of this from day one. And I just want to say welcome. You are my guest. Season two is upon us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that we're in a second season. I can't believe it. Amazing. The first season was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot. And hopefully this season will be about the reemergence of theater and what's happening in show business. I had an audition yeah. the other day for a pilot. That was pretty exciting. So how are That's you doing? So cool. Life's good. I'm, I'm finding that, you know, as, as we, well, I don't want to jinx it because I know that we're still having to be as careful as we can be with, with returning to some kind of normal but I just got my second vaccine recently and I'm feeling like being able to see some friends again and sort of reconnecting with social circles I haven't been able to see for almost a year and a half. That's doing my heart a lot of good right now. <laughs> good. So tell the audience what happened, your journey. You were in New York studying. That's how yeah. I met you. And then tell everybody what happened. That's that's quite a story, actually. So that was back in March of 2020 when this when sort of everything happened all at once. It's seemingly overnight. And this was the evening of March 13th. An announcement went out to the school that the situation with uh, the virus had gotten so severe that we needed to you know close down classes for the time being and find an alternative. Anybody that was visiting internationally, which included me, would need to return home for safety's sake because it was like the borders would be closed down and everything. So it was, there was some pretty intense mayhem for the first couple of days of figuring out how we were going to adapt to this sudden and brand new change. And that night, I remember getting back to my dorm room and it was like midnight because of course, you know, that at, at AMDA, the, uh, the days are long, right? And so all the rehearsals and stuff can run into like 10, 10, 30, 11 PM. And uh, I finally got back to my dorm room that night and called my mom to say goodnight because of course it's three hours earlier on the West coast. So I could give her a call. And she said, hey, do you have a bag packed? And I said, no, <laughs> am, am I supposed to have a bag packed? And she went, well, based on the announcement and what's going on in New York, I think it would be best if we got you home as, as soon as we could. And I said, all right, so I should probably catch a flight out tomorrow morning, right? And she goes, no, no, like, like now. I said, what are you talking about? Like I was, I was pretty dumbfounded because of course I just got to the end of a crazy long day. And uh, because when you're in school, especially theater school, it becomes your whole life. Like your, your reality revolves around the education. It revolves around the school. So myself and most of my colleagues weren't that hip to what was going on. <laughs> same, same. Yeah. Right? I was, I was doing those two shows, one in Maine, one in Westchester and teaching in yeah. the city. And I was in my own happy little world in my car. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. It was like a, um, it was definitely a bit of a tornado that hit seemingly out of nowhere. I say out of nowhere, but that's really just a testament to how crazy how my tunnel vision was at the time. It really didn't come out of nowhere. It was a slow burn, but we just became aware of it in March. Um, yeah. So that was when, uh, 
that was when I ended up having to go home and I ended up catching a flight. I did, did some laundry, packed my stuff and I brought my dance stuff just on a whim, which thank goodness I did because it would come in handy later. Um, I packed all my dance equipment and uh, ended up getting an Uber out of Manhattan at like three o'clock in the morning and, and got a ride to LaGuardia. And then I, I had to check in about three and a half, four hours early because airports were all going into sort of panic mode where like, if you weren't there crazy early for the next flight, then you wouldn't get on because the occupancy, like tickets were getting booked by the second. You know, I think that airports got re- hit really hard as far as, um, as far as occupancy goes. And uh, so I ended up catching a flight at 9 a.m. the next day. That took me to Seattle. There was a layover there, Seattle to Victoria. And 36 hours from the moment I woke up the day before, I was back home in Canada. And I, I didn't mention this in the story. I was actually suffering from a lung infection and laryngitis on the, on the last day. So by the time I got home between the lack of sleep, being battered by this cold and having no voice, my mom, I wish, I wish this were on camera so the people listening could see, but just picture what people usually look like when they pick somebody up from the airport. It's usually, hello, how are you? And hugging and flowers and picking up luggage and everything. And I saw her expression as I got off the plane. I saw her go, so the smile and then this look of like, what happened to you? Because you could see that I was like, <laughs> I was like really pale and completely exhausted. And, you know, it was a, it was a long, long trip home. Once I got home, I had to quarantine for two weeks, of course. And then shortly after that, AMDA got, like, got back into gear and we started doing classes online. And, you know, all things considered, it wasn't easy for any school to adapt to this. And, and AMDA did a really good job getting it all, you know, put back together. Instructors had to improvise. We had to improvise. And, uh, and it was a blast. At the end of semester two, I had a choice, which was to continue online because there was no real sign of a vaccine yet? Um, or was I going to sort of take a, take a break and do something else? I ended up choosing to take a break. And over the summer with all of this new free time, I ended up recording at home my very first album, which I had been wanting to do for years leading up to then, but I had been putting it off. I always made the excuse that I didn't have enough time. I just wasn't making time. And um, And now I had nothing but time. So I was able to record this album. It had eight songs on it. It's called Wonder. It came out in February of this year. Getting to bring all of those songs to life in a very personal, sort of literally isolated bubble was unexpectedly therapeutic for me because it was something I could ground myself in until I knew what was going to happen next. Because the first couple of months, it was like month one and two of being home was just delusion which was the belief that like next week it was going to be over. Uh, And then the following two months were denial. The following two months were acceptance. Like I went through like the seven stages of grief (laughs) through the time of being home. And by the time I was recording the album, I was going through kind of the grief stage of realizing that I might have to change my route a little bit. And the album was a, brought me some peace when I needed it most. And, uh, and that was a lot of fun to work on. And then came the fall and the borders weren't open. I wasn't able to travel back. So I had to make a choice to either continue online, which didn't make a lot of sense because it just isn't really the experience that I was looking for or to find an alternative. So I went to school for advertising, weirdly enough, because I love advertising. And I ended up getting a graduate certificate in creative and digital strategy as a copywriter. Those are a lot of $5 words that basically mean I write ads now. Basically, I am, uh, I'm in charge of the language on, uh, I, 
work with an agency right now that's based out of Toronto called Mixtape, and they're awesome. And I am one of their copywriters on staff, which means that anytime we run an ad campaign, I am partially, you know, I, I don't take uh, full responsibility for it, but I get to contribute to the language that goes into each advertisement, which is really fun. And so right now, this is my first time having like a, a job job that's my career because I've been very lucky to do artistic endeavors almost my whole life and really dedicate myself to it. But now I have like this really fun job that I'm able to support myself in and I'm writing music on the side. I'm working on a second album and I get to do this with you, Michelle. And um, there were there was a moment this time last year where I had no idea how I was going to come out of this. And I'm sure you can probably relate. And I, I just can't believe that we're here now. I'm so grateful that we're here. I, I am almost in tears right now, just thinking about the past year and how your presence in my life, it was virtual, but at any time I taught an online class, you were there. And just yeah. <laughs> having you there and your kind and supportive words got me through it. And having the discipline of dance for me we yeah. put a ballet bar in my dining room we made my dining room a makeshift yep. dance studio yes but yeah. putting my hands on the bar and just doing the exercises kept me from losing it you know what i mean having the the grounding mm -hmm. of something that i've done for my whole life really helped um, yesterday, I took a class with Oren, Corin Bloom, who's going to be a guest Sunday. I have an interview with him. Good. Listeners, we are recording this at the end of July so that we'll be ready to go again in the fall. But I just had a nice month off and I was not off. I was working. I got to go to Maine. I want to ask you about your wonderful voice teacher, David Kelso. Do you want to talk a little mm -hmm. bit about him? Of course. So David Kelso, for those who, who are listening that don't know, uh, he was my vocal instructor at AMDA in New York City. Uh, he passed away recently, um, unfortunately, and we really, re really miss him dearly. Um, but he was such a sweet man. And he had uh, a huge impact on who I was as a performer because it happened in two levels when I met him. The first one was obviously that he was my instructor and he wanted to get me out of my shell, which is something just sidebar that I have to say every teacher on earth really takes on this responsibility of not just instructing a lesson, but also pulling the best out of their students. And that goes like above and beyond the norm. Like that's, that's something that I'm endlessly grateful for from teachers. Um, I, I know that you do that too. And it's, it's just, it really touches me knowing that I'm not just learning from somebody who's a professional and knowledgeable, but cares about my well-being too. And David was absolutely that way. And also he was, um, he was so, <laughs> he was so funny and blunt, which is the total opposite of how I am. Because technically I'm an American citizen. I'm from the States, but I was raised in Canada. And because of that, like the disposition in Canada is a little bit more reserved, whereas like an American sense of humor and a Canadian sense of humor is slightly different. And his sense of humor was no holds barred, no censors, HBO special. Like it was so refreshing and fun talking to him because it felt like we could bring anything up and it was like fair game to have a chat about. And on that subject, he really made me feel good about being like an openly gay performer and like as being like a young gay man and growing up fairly like fairly reserved myself like I never really wore it on my sleeve and not not for any particular reason I just didn't want to I was lucky to have a very supportive family and set of friends but I hadn't really owned being like a member of the queer community until I met him 
And I was like, here's a man who's like, he's the coolest guy. And he's like living his truth more deeply than anybody I've met before. And that inspired me in like a whole new way. So short relationship, unfortunately, I wish I could have known him longer, but so impactful. I I miss him a lot. I, I've got to say he was very caring to everybody and in, including yeah. other teachers. He would always ask how you were. He was just mm-hmm. kind, you know, kind and nice. I think I think we should do something for him when you're able to come back. Maybe just like that. a little thing in the park. I don't know. This time this time has been very bad for people who uh, left. I just hope he's on the other side and doing well. And, yeah. you know, we'll we'll find out one day. I guess. What I'm I don't most know. grateful for, I think, was that if there's anything that brought me some peace with him leaving us so suddenly, because you have to find to make sense of it all. You have to find some some way to make it make sense. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. For me, it, it, it hit like a boulder. And so the first thing I did was try to find a reason why I was grateful to have known him rather than it's sort of like the um, don't don't cry because it's over, but smile because it happened sort of thing, as cliche as that is. And one of the things that makes me smile was knowing that he was so loved by his community. I mean, like he had between he actually got me involved with Rutgers Church as well with the choir because they needed a tenor. And so I'd go there on Sundays um, and I'd sing with the choir. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, he got me involved right around Christmas of 2019. And, uh, and I sang there for the three months before I had to leave. And it was also my first time being in a uh, spiritual space, because I was the I was the um, accompanist for a church here in town, and they were very cool and everything. But sometimes going to a spiritual space can be a little bit nerve wracking as a person in the LGBT sort of Q plus spectrum, because you don't totally know how people are going to react. And it was like the most the most gay-friendly space where they had like a Black Lives Matter flag flying outside and a, and a rainbow flag flying outside and a trans and a trans flag flying outside. And it was like, I, prior to moving to New York, I, I hadn't always seen a lot of that represented. I was like, this is the coolest thing. And he, he taught me how to love myself, how to love him. And I think he's, uh, He's always going to have that, here or not. It's lovely. Joshua, that's so lovely. I didn't know that about the church singing. Church singing is actually a job for a lot of singers, especially in the tri-state area, the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Some churches have a budget and they will hire a soprano or a you know, a couple of people to sing for the services, the weddings, the funerals, and the Sunday services. And that has uh, proven to be a nice job for singers yeah I love that just to know that there is there are opportunities for performers that might not be in a full-time show that Mm -hmm. makes me happy (laughs) yeah I want to talk about your music I want to talk about what inspires you to write a song and I want to talk about this new album tell people where they can hear your music because I know you have a YouTube channel and in the Mm -hmm. closing credits for the podcast we always say it but just tell us about your channel and why we should all go there thank you that's so sweet I feel like I'm on a PR tour this is amazing 
You um, are. So, yeah, if, if you'd like to listen to some of the music I'm currently working on and that I released uh, earlier this year, uh, I released my debut album, which is called Wonder. Of course, if you want to look me up, it's Joshua Holloway, and the last name is spelled H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y. I'm pretty much anywhere you, you want to look. If you f- look for me on Instagram, I'm Joshua Holloway Music. Facebook is just Joshua Holloway. Basic, basically, if you Google Joshua Holloway Music, luckily there aren't a ton of other people with my name that are but doing But is your YouTube doing. Joshua Holloway Music? My YouTube is technically Joshua Holloway, but it's a very common name. So if you add music into the search, it'll bring up my profile. Because it's like a keyword. And yeah, everybody yeah. has black hair, like dark brown hair, and it's kind yeah. of poofy on the top. Yes, it is. It's like a, <laughs> it, I would say your style is almost retro, your hairstyle. Yeah. It's it like totally a pompadour. Is. I love the pompadour thing. That, that's exactly what I'm going for. Yeah. So if you want to listen to it, the album or anything else that I'm releasing in the near future, I'm on Spotify and Apple Music and other streaming services as well. But those are the like primary ones where I'm the most active, where I like post, I'll like post updates pretty frequently on there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, anybody who's listening, feel free to reach out. I'd love to connect and like talk about music and really anything else. One thing I've loved is not only the theme song that you wrote for the show, Uh it was so cool. The first time I heard it, I got goosebumps on my arms and I just was like, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. I also love the underscoring that you do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Liam's episode, you did such a good job just playing some music underneath what we were talking about just to support it, to give it some poignancy and some depth. And it just makes all the difference, you know? So how do you go about working in that area? Yeah, I, I um, first of all, I'm so glad that you like that you like all of this. We've talked about it. I know that that if you really enjoy it, you'll always tell me and it touches me so much that you like the music I make. And also the fact that you enjoyed the theme song so much was like, it was my first time doing anything like that. So I thought this could go like any way I might turn out to like nail it, or it might take a whole bunch of revisions. And the fact that you were vibing with it, just like, anyway, I just wanted to Everybody say Everybody sings it, Joshua, <laughs> down the halls at school. Everyone's like, Show girl really? Yeah, everybody sings it. It's so catchy. That is so cute. I'm so I glad. I love it. That one actually hit me after you sent me. There were a couple of songs you sent me as inspiration. And they were sort of like a bit of a classic rock, kind of pop John Mayer flavor. And so for it to have a swing and a really like catchy melody was key. Some of the instruments that I did and gave it the sort of the swing feel was because yeah. um, John Mayer's songs, above all else, they make you feel something. Like they're beautifully written and they're impressive in their own right but he's very good at getting like something deep in your soul to like wake totally up completely um, are you a Joni Mitchell fan oh through and through yeah she's getting the Kennedy Center honors see that is about time I think <laughs> I'm glad she's been doing a lot of videos on on social media lately, which for one, I, I believe she had a stroke a year or two ago. It makes me happy to see her like up and about, but she must have someone doing it because she's in her 70s and she must have somebody on staff because there's like daily posts going on videos old pictures but i'm loving it i'm like good for you for hiring somebody because we all love joni mitchell if you don't i don't know who you are yeah she's a genius joni mitchell it's suspicious (laughs) 
<laughs> and there's so many eras of her. And she's yeah. one of those people who reinvented herself constantly. And she constantly evolved and yeah. became somebody new. Just She went down so many different roads. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm kind of in awe of her. Me too. I cannot believe you brought that up. I just listened, like for the first time in months, listened to a Joni Mitchell record today while I was Which working. Which one? I, I was listening to the hissing, hissing fields of, of summer. Summer lawns. The hissing, the of, hissing summer of summer lawns. Yes. Yeah, and I was listening to, yeah, I was listening to the boho. Is the boho dance? Yeah. That particular song, there are, I believe that there are some people, especially artists, musicians, performers that feel life on an elevated scale where it's just a different they, vibration. Yeah, completely. I get it. It's magic. I love her lyrics because they, they take fairly everyday experiences like walking down the street and seeing a band playing in in like in like a hole in the wall like down an alley street you see like a band playing in like a basement stage or something like that or like some smoky bar and just that single instance she'll pull into pull out to a full verse full of prose and metaphor and analogies and it's just I love her yeah (laughs) anyway it's the Joni Mitchell podcast now no, it's okay. That would be fine with me. Lately, I've been watching on the Facebook channel, The Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith and her mom mm. and Willow. It's really good. It's a really good show. Mm. And there's so much. If you haven't checked it out, you can just type it in on Facebook. And okay. there's so many great interviews. It's like a podcast, but it's they film it and they get really honest down. It's very raw. But it's it's beautiful. Like Willow um, interviewed Paris Jackson, Michael Jackson's daughter, and holy smokes, that that young woman has le- everybody leave her alone, bugging her since she was a little girl because she's Michael Jackson's daughter. She's like in an airport and people are chasing her, and she's just trying to get on a plane somewhere. It's craziness. Oh what else yeah. is going on? I I just spent a month, almost a month up in Maine, and it was heaven, heaven on earth. You and were I'm a dying. show there, right? Yeah, I directed and choreographed a show for Hartwood Theater. And Hartwood nice. Theater is a small theater company in Damariscotta. Griff Braley is the artistic director, and his wife Joy is the executive director. And they are organized. They are wonderful people. They just take care of everybody. I felt very cared for. I felt artistically supported. And I loved, I just loved the job. And then I got to live. First week I was there, I was in Airbnb. Because when they hired me, their normal housing wasn't open because of COVID. After the first week, I got to live with other people who were doing the show Pride and Prejudice, which is going to open the end of July. You know, living with strangers, after you are a grown-up like my age well I'm not really a grown-up but you know what I mean um (laughs) living with strangers again after that that after not you know what I mean yeah living with people that you don't know is always a challenge but luckily these people were just so easy to be with and so chill we had some movie nights we ate some food together. We talked. It was great. And so I feel like I made some new friends and that was really a nice byproduct of the gig. I love, I love making new friends in the wake of a situation like this. The fact that not only were you able to gig and like do something in the artistic community in person and everything, but you got pals out of it. Like what's better? (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about 
this showgirl tip of the day and how we're going to change the format a little bit. Yeah. And we were talking last year about making it more like a variety show, like a, an old time, the Judy Garland show. Uh-huh. What, do you, what are your thoughts about this? I'm so excited that you brought it up. It's there. There's so much potential in the way the show has been created, because for the listeners, Michelle came came to me with this really cool idea when she was just looking to because uh, you knew that I did some graphic design and you were asking if I might be able to do a little bit of cover art and some music as well. And then when you were describing this vision to me, Michelle, for a show, I was thinking, this is so cool. I haven't really seen anything else like this or heard anything else like this podcast wise, where it's sort of an advice podcast blended with storytelling and uh, sort of like an an expert teaching apprentices. And also like when you have some of the producers that you've worked with on this podcast and they speak really frankly about what it's like to be in the industry, both the ups and the downs, that that transparency is what young performers and new performers are like looking for. That is so crucial because I think that we don't always get that in in a school experience because it is quite, I don't want to say sheltered, but it's quite regulated compared to the real world, compared to the real industry. Well, uh, in academia, there's a set plan, right? There's a set plan in academia. You have week one, you have week five, you have week 10. But as you and I both know, in real life, in week three, something goes down and we all have to, we all have to make sure that the product, like if you're, if you're in a production, you have to make sure the product still gets made. But, you know, week three, something happens where you, everyone has to like adjust and go around the obstacle and that, and that's life too. That's just like an example of life. You have a path, but life has another plan for you and you can still reach your destination, but it just might not be a straight line. And I think academia tries to be a straight line, real life being, especially being in show business, you know, there's twists and there's turns at every, (laughs) but that's why I like it. So the other day I was on a train and I was coming in to sub yeah. and I checked my email on the train. My agent was like, you have the self tape. You've been invited by the casting director to self tape. It's due tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So on the train, I made a choice instead of saying to the agent, no, I can't. I was like, I'll do it when I'm at Casey's house. I'll just make it work. I'll make them read with me and I'll make them film me. And there you go. See that, that what you just described, that's, that's being in performing arts in a nutshell, what you just described from the subway to the subbing, to the getting the email out of nowhere. And it has to be done by tomorrow morning. Yeah. Oh yeah. We need this. Oh yeah. That's, and and that, that um, kind of adaptability, which I love, by the way, that's such a great story. and, And I love that you were able to do that at Casey's house. But that adaptability is so key and it's a learned skill. It's something you just learn through practice of being brave and courageous. And I'm speaking for myself here because I've had to take lots of leaps of faith that if I hadn't, I I wouldn't be here now. So you just got to take chances like that. Speaking of that, though, as far as the show is concerned with the Judy Garland concept, like the Judy Garland show with Showgirl Tip of the Day, uh, Michelle and I, for the listeners, Michelle and I have been talking about the idea of turning it into more of like a variety show, like she said, where there's a little bit more music involved. Maybe each episode starts with a song and ends with a song or maybe just one or the other. We could have uh, like musical, a musical guest as well as a talk like talk show style interview guest. Because if you think about the way traditional talk shows are run these days, there's a band, 
And then there's the host, there's the audience, and there's the sort of featured interviewee. And the interviewee can perform, of course, if, if they're a musical guest, but oftentimes they'll have like somebody perform as almost like a breather for the audience to like experience some music and then go back to the talk show. So we've been thinking about bringing it into this sort of new format, but not like a late night show, more like, for lack of a better example, Judy Garland, where it's so classically performing arts where classic you know classic yeah. and classy yes i even love the camera angles on that show i'm gonna Me watch too. some after we get off the the zoom i'm gonna watch some and just be inspired but here's the thing about what we're doing is that we can make it whatever we want i'm always happy when people listen i invite them but this is basically our corner and we are like come on have some fun with us if you're driving if you're i don't know doing waiting for your laundry to get done you can just listen and you can just be mildly entertained. I don't know. <laughs> That's the new slogan for the show. Listen and be mildly entertained. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know season three, I would love yeah. to do on video. However, oh. that is a huge challenge. Maybe like not all the episodes because that's a whole nother ball of whack. Yeah. But we'll see. Season two is going to start up in September, probably go through Christmas, I think. And then we'll start season three. So I Beautiful. have a very busy work schedule coming up this year. I took a lot of jobs Yay. and I did that. Yeah, I did that because first of all, I, I love to work. And second of all, the pandemic made me realize like, just like any other artists, I did not have a big reserve of savings. Mm -hmm. And luckily I kept working during the pandemic, but had I, had I been 100% unemployed, things would have not been pretty. So what I want to do is just kind of save money and put some money away just so that whatever happens next, because you know, something else is going to happen. Life will always throw curveballs at us always. So it's yeah. important to um, just do the best we can. I agree with you completely. And I, I really, I have to commend you more more than I can even explain for how, my, actually my mom and I were just talking about this the other day, how impressively quickly you turned on a dime to go, all right, you know, shoot, this is what we're doing now. Uh, all right, ballet bar uh, in the dining room. We're going to we're gonna repaint. We're going to put up this thing. It's going to be the Michelle, Michelle Bruckner dance school. We're going to put it up on the back of the, of the, of the wall. We're going to film it. I've got my camera angle. We're going to do a podcast. We're going to start working in Maine. And like you, you diversified on with such drive. Um, it actually inspired me a lot. The fact that I'm working with you on this project has also fueled my other endeavors because I'm going like, she's got it. Like she's doing it. It's possible. It can be done to like, even as an artist under, under um, sudden trauma, <laughs> it can be done. Like you can, we can all evolve. That resilience came from, um, you heard the interview with Larry Blank. Larry yeah. and I did a show, a national tour of Lacage. And then mm -hmm. Larry Lynn, and I were in the audition room for a tour called Sugar Babies. And yeah. Larry helped me get the role. It was like the soubrette role, the, the not the leads, but he got me part. And I was 24, I believe. No, I was 25. And the show ended up never happening because funding fell through. One of the producers backed out. So at the age of 25, I learned it doesn't always follow through and you have to be able to keep going even when like when I was 25 I was I was determined I was going to be a big star 
are. Yeah. And when I got that part, I was like, there we go. Everything's according to plan. Everything's great. And then when it fell through, I was like, oh, okay. And then, yeah. and then just, you know, living this artistic life and going to auditions and not always booking it just teaches you like it's not really about the outcome it's about your effort and it's about the fact that if you can stand up in the morning and you can go to the bar and put your feet in first position you can keep the dream alive and if you can vocalize and if you can work on a monologue and you know you just keep keep going so when the pandemic hit I I wasn't afraid, but I was just like, oh my God, the whole world has changed. Mm. But what am I in control of? What can I do right now? So that's when I started working out with Kathleen. And that's when I started doing all of the stuff. But to be honest with you, I loved being at home and I was grateful to have a backyard to just enjoy. And I was grateful that I could sleep till seven in the morning. Because my usual MO is I have to get up at five to make my classes. So just sleeping till seven was like a beautiful gift. And just being able to cook simple things, you know, just being able to cook and just being able to like have a little more personal time. I, I was okay. I was okay. And I know a lot of people had a really tough time. And I know a lot of people just were struggling. And I just was like, do the best you can and try to help other people try to offer some sort of activity for for people to do. And that's, that's all I did. And even now looking back, it already seems like it was five years ago already. Oh boy. Yes. It feels like eons ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, I love what you just said. I thought it was just so cool that you said, you know, if you basically like, if you, if you don't know what to do or you're struggling, help somebody else. Like if you're at a loss, somebody else is too. So when all else fails, help somebody like carry their groceries inside or like that. And I I found that at the beginning that was way easier to do was just to connect with others that were, that were having a tough time so that I could like, that they always say, what's that? um, There's a saying that says something like goodness comes from good deeds. The idea that like you, you feel better by making others feel better. That really rang true throughout COVID was just by like reaching out to people and being like, let's talk. It doesn't matter about what, let's just talk until we can't talk anymore and like get it all out. And inevitably, every one of those conversations would leave me and hopefully them feeling a hundred times better than before. Connection's so important. I just, I love that. I know that things will change because they always do. There's, I've, if there's anything the last year has done, it has caused me to let go of control. And any idea, like any belief that I used to have that I have any real control over what happens next I, I've let that free. It doesn't mean that I don't still take steps to try and like move forward because we all do and we all have to. But understand, there, there's another thing, I wish I could remember it, but it's something that there's a difference between planning and making a plan. Planning is what you and I are doing now, which is like we're, we're planning to, to do something cool with the podcast and you're auditioning for pilot stuff and I'm writing the second album and we're like finding artistic endeavors to engage in no matter where we are. But making a plan would be deciding that this is how it happens and if it happens any other way, that's not the plan, which is how I was operating a year ago. So as far as staying here is concerned, I'm planning 
to to grow as an artist, uh, like we all are, and then you are too, and I'm planning for us to grow together. And if that takes me elsewhere, amazing. And if I'm here for a while longer, all the better for it kind of thing. But you have a comfortable place to live, right? You're fine. And very much. That, yeah. that is a big thing. Having a soft place to put your head is so much of, for me, it's very important. And I'm really lucky that I live in the town where I live and I have the home that I do. Like, I'm very grateful for that. I don't take that for granted. So yeah. um I'm glad that you are in a space where you have a little bit of room for yourself and, you know, and room to well, play us a little something. Play us oh. a little something, something. Okay, just, let's see. Hang on. Just a little. Um, that's a major scale, right? The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Oh,